for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars, post first point scoring round ever at the Australian Grand Prix. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. Good day, Craig. Good day, Tony. What a, an interesting weekend, and I know we're going to talk more about it. I'm still not sold on it, as are some of the drivers, but obviously it had a very interesting outcome in four races. Indeed, indeed. And what? How interesting it is that the very person who benefited the most from being a point scorer, that being one Jay Wincup, is the person who has been well, not most vocal, but he's come out and said that he's not sure that they should be because the races can be shortened and all sorts of things like that. Whether it should be points at the Grand Prix, but anyway, um, there's other discussions going on, and some of it centres around uh, supercars, but it's most likely most around Formula One is, and that's the tracks. Uh, lack of passing opportunities. Um, it was uh, most noticeably uh, spoken about by uh, Max Verstappen. I think Lewis Hamilton's had something to say as well about it. Um, and certainly if they look at doing something, uh, it, it could obviously have an improvement for uh, supercars as well because there were some drivers who wanted to have a go but couldn't. Mm. I'll be honest with you, I never have enjoyed the Grand Prix weekend. I don't make it a must-go event because I do find the track boring. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to admit that. I only go to uh, Melbourne when I have to. Not Melbourne Grand Prix one when I have to. Who, yes, yeah. One of the people who didn't find it boring and one of the people who uh, enjoyed enormously was Scott Pye. And there's a few people. I was talking to a, a very good friend, a very experienced racer, and he uh, he just loved watching Scott Pye holding out Jamie Wincup uh, on, on slicks in the wet late in race three, he said that was a fantastic, some fantastic driving. And, uh, and Scotty Pye, of course, who gave uh, the uh, new Walkinshaw Andretti United Racing their first race win. It was also his first race win in 140-odd races. Um, but fantastic. A great drive by a young man who was an opportunist, who qualified well, unlike his teammate who was down the back. But uh, Scotty Pye just did a great job all weekend. But... Getting back to uh, Jamie Wincup, he won the Larry Perkins uh, inaugural Larry Perkins Trophy for the uh, biggest winner of the uh, round, um, closely followed by another winner for the weekend, and that being uh, Day Reynolds, who actually uh, completed the, his first win as a solo driver event. Uh, he'd won at both uh, Bathurst, obviously, and also at the Gold Coast, but this is the first time he's won a, ra a race uh, in the series. Um, look, I think it was a fantastic event because there was some variety. Not ideal. A wet race made one more interesting. A few people rolled the dice, but it didn't come right for them. But, uh, you know, fortunately there was no major damage to any competitor. There was a couple of cars that had a bit of work to be done, but not uh, enormous amounts. And I think you're well, underselling, you're underselling I... Scott McLaughlin's job too. Where the tire, where the team had a problem in the pits, and he had to drive back through the field. Oh yes, yes, you're right, you're right. Um, Jamie Wincup, of course, one of the other races. So there were four different winners over what's now six races of this year. Shane Van Gisbergen uh, taking them all in Adelaide, but now four different winners over these four races. So 
Yeah, look, it was an interesting event. Um, terrific to see both uh, uh, Walkinshaws and also Brad Jones because Tim Slade was very close by. They almost got three cars in the top ten in race three. Um, so Brad Jones, uh, again, demonstrating that they have an ability to get a car going on a fast circuit. So next stop on the agenda, of course, is uh, for supercars is Tasmania down at Simmons Plains. But uh, I took the opportunity in uh, Albert Park to uh, talk with uh, a number of other journalists with Zach Brown. Now, Zach Brown is one of the new partners in Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. Uh, in coming weeks, we're going to talk to uh, Michael Andretti. And uh, the great thing uh, was that uh, Zach Brown made himself available. He, of course, is a very busy man on a Formula One weekend. Uh, as you may know, he's already now put himself down. He's going to go to Bathurst this year instead of the Japanese Grand Prix. It's an important thing uh, to be involved in Walkinshaw. He owns one of the, the 2011 Bathurst winning car. He's... Uh, very much enjoying uh, being involved in the series. McLaren also had a very good weekend with Alonso getting up to fifth place and earning a real position in the uh, series in Formula One. First time in some years he's been able to do that. But got to talk to Zach Brown and we'll, after the uh, break, we'll come back with Zach Brown, who's executive director of the McLaren Technical Group and uh, have a listen to what myself and other journalists got to ask him. You might want to. This is just, you might want to mention that you're going to speak yep. to Adam DeBore later in the show as well. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's certainly interesting to delve into the world of Zach Brown and uh, not only his involvement in Walkinshaws and supercars, because... He's vitally interested in what goes on in this series. He's been following it for some years. And, of course, as uh, executive director of McLaren, vitally involved at the very top end of motorsport in the world. So we have somebody who not only looks into this series, as Michael Andretti does from the other side of the world, from the US, but have their involvement in it. And I think that's a fantastic thing. He's already come out and said quite publicly that he doesn't think V6 turbos should be used in the series, but... That's his opinion, and he's certainly welcome to have it. Is there anything he won't race? Do you think? Anything that he doesn't think he can win in. Um, which, unfortunately, has been on a car the last few years, but hopefully that'll change. Um, no, he, he's, I think, the biggest racer I've ever seen. He loves all different types of racing. He's fascinated by it. Um, but whatever he does, he wants to do very seriously, so he would never come do something that I didn't think it could be competitive. He'd struggle if he ever wanted to do, say, the Bathurst 1000, wouldn't he? Because just getting test time is almost impossible. Yeah, he wouldn't do anything he couldn't be fully prepared for, and it always conflicts with uh, Japan. 
when did you start looking at supercars? Not from the point of view of owning metal, but being involved in a team. Um, well, that was pretty, pretty quick. Um, thought about owning the metal for a while, right. um, but the team opportunity really just came about uh, in the last twelve months. Right. Um, I've been uh, busy with my day job, and uh, when the opportunity presented itself with Ryan and Michael, um, I thought it was too good to, to pass up, and really, uh, really excited. Are you hoping for international on the on this car here? Is that what you're wanting to get bring international brands? Yeah, I think commercially we can add uh, a lot of value uh, to both current partners that maybe want to activate around the world and then some of our partners here and then ultimately I think Michael brings more of a technical uh, know-how and I bring a commercial know-how so between the two of us um, hopefully we'll help contribute to getting the team back to winning races. When did you first come into the paddock uh, with this team? When did you? About 10 minutes ago. That's your first <laughs> time, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to the factory before uh, and talked to Ryan and, and the guys uh, often, um, but just now is the first time I've been. And I was in last year, but in a yeah in a in a fan capacity. You must be greatly encouraged to see. You know, I mean, obviously not a massive jump, but to see a podium again where there was a year ago as well. Yep. Yeah. Well, Bathurst was our first race, uh, so that was a good one. Then they named the car after me. That was pretty nice of them, the ZB. <laughs> so they're making me feel very welcome. Right. Okay. Well. So did you say you've visited the Walkinshaw setup? Yeah. Before. Previous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was there last year. Oh, same time last year. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But on. But then just as a. Uh, just to come look at the, just looking at the car I wanted to buy because oh, it was yeah. in the uh, it was in the lobby. Yeah. But I you know I've been a Walkinshaw fan ever since the Group C IMSA GTP era. So I'm you know the Andretti's the Walkinshaw these are to me the iconic names in the in the sport. So I've been a Walkinshaw fan for a long time. You've got a bit of metal in your garage back home, haven't you? Mm. Apart from this, uh, yeah, I'm definitely. A, I'm a car guy. What are they? What else? Is there? Uh, I got a lot of Formula One cars. Cars, some Formula 5000, a bunch of Indy cars, some Le Mans cars. How many in total? Uh, a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got about 40, 50 cars. They're all kept as runners? Every single one. There's, right. And there's uh, one collecting criteria that had to have won a race in period or I'm not interested. Okay. So every single one of the cars won in, won in period. Okay. Is it just the two days that you've had in your car so far? I think you've won at Donington Park. One at Donington and one in uh, Aragon. So probably going to get out another two, three times this year in it. Um, I've got the steering's quite high because I'm a fat bastard. We had to take the seat insert out, so I'm driving like this. So I'm uh, I'm almost comfortable in the car. I need, I think, one more test session to get. What's the closest thing you've got in your garage to what you drove in that HRT car? Um. Probably my DTM car. Okay. I've got uh, Hackenden Spa wow. winner, 2005. Um, this has more grunt. Uh, I'd say this is more fun to drive, but they're both 
pretty the similar. More electronics. That one's a bit more refined. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is Fernando yeah. next in line to have a little run out when you next play with a car? Uh, anytime I play with cars, he wants to come out and, <laughs> and play. He's got the best job in motor racing. When the deal was put together, when uh, Alonso went over and drove uh, the Indy 500, how did that start? Where was it? Um, started around Australia. Um, me joking around with him because I wasn't sure if he'd want to do Indy because I think most of the Formula One drivers uh, wouldn't um, for a variety of reasons. Safety, putting their neck on the line, and I didn't know where Fernando would be on that. And um, he didn't laugh, so I thought, hmm, Maybe. And then he called me uh, after Australia and said, I want to get together in China to talk about this indie thing. And then I thought, well, I was serious about it. I uh, didn't think it was going to be that year, though. And that's when he sprung it on me in, in China that, can we do it this year? And then obviously at Monaco, you had to get the right um, team set up. So uh, and then we got it done by Bahrain. So did that, that relationship with you and Michael did that sort of help this along the way? Is that yeah, true? definitely. Yeah, Michael and I go go back a, a long way, yeah. and uh, from IndyCar, from my times living in uh, Indianapolis. So um, everything's kind of come together full circle in a nice way. Was, uh, we spoke with Michael in Adelaide about how Andrea Yeah, we, we were talking about today both some commercial and technical elements where, you know, Andretti can continue to help, United can help, and hopefully we'll do some cool stuff that's a bit more visible uh, later in the year is what we were talking about yeah. t- today. There was a bit of talk today during the lunch about, I guess, a series finding that uh, that line between entertainment and manufacturer relevance and that sort of stuff. This team was obviously the factory holder team for 20 odd years. Do you think it's why do you think finding a, a new or a different manufacturer is important for the team, or is it? I think getting a, a manufacturer relationship is definitely important. Um, we've got a long history with, with these guys, continuing with them and maybe building on that would, would definitely be of interest. And then, um, you know, finding a, a new partner for the sport, um, I think would be good for the sport, potentially good for, for us. Um, so, yeah, manufacturers are How often important. are you likely to get out of this? I'm going to hope to get to three to four races, and I think Michael's going to get to three or four races. So between the two of us, hopefully we'll make half of them. What are you thinking? I mean, Bathurst obviously you can't make it to that No, I'm going to do Bathurst. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll miss the Japanese Grand Prix. I'll I'll go to Bathurst. I've always wanted to go to Bathurst, and uh, I think McLaren will survive without me for the for the weekend. and then uh, probably Gold Coast, and then maybe uh, one other. I'm just going to kind of wait for the team to tell me which one they think I can be most useful at. So that's the driving force behind missing Japan to go to Bathurst is just to tick something off the bucket list and to get up. That, and it's obviously you know the biggest race. Um, a lot of our commercial partners will be there. But, yeah, I definitely want to. To me, Bathurst, Le Mans, Indy 500, Monaco, it's of that you, you caliber. Make, you make it sound easy, but is there something you have to work through with McLaren to make it possible to be to be missing a race? Is it, you know, uh, no, they're, they're very comfortable with my racing involvement. Uh, McLaren always comes first, but, you know, at a race weekend, 
the team, um, you know, my role is a leadership role, a commercial role. Um, I'm not helping them make faster pit stops. <laughs> so uh, I, I go to about 15 Grand Prix a year. I, I, I miss five or six. Yeah. In terms of the manufacturer stuff, is that something that's been across your desk so far? Have you been involved with it? Um, early. Um, certainly looking at the leadership of the team, which we're very happy with, uh, and the new people we got on board and the way we've structured that. Uh, manufacturer, commercial partners, uh, and really just kind of getting to know everyone and, and settling in. I, I like everything that I'm seeing. The public have seen a lot different attitude from Liberty towards supercars here for the first time in 24 years. Finally, there are points, championship. Um, do you see, from, as a team principal, do you see that enormously day-to-day with Liberty? Yeah, I, I think Liberty want to put on the best show possible for the fans. They're focusing on the fans. So I, I don't understand why. Well, I do understand. I don't think there was good reasoning behind. You knew the reason. I knew the reason, but I didn't agree with the reason that this wouldn't be a, a championship race. Um you know, I think it you know increases the importance of of the race for the teams, and you know half the people in the grandstand they're not necessarily paying attention to the points, so they want to just see a, a, a real race, not an exhibition. So uh, yeah, I think Liberty is going to do more of that. I've heard stories around maybe uh, going to Singapore, which I'd be very supportive of. Um, I think they want to have more local relevance at each. Grand Prix, yeah. and so you know, Aussie V8s, I think around Singapore as an example, would be outstanding. Right. Um, putting your, your Formula One cap on, um, do you see Liberty sort of coming and saying, we want another five Grand Prix or two or three, or do you, or do you see it capped at 20? Uh, uh, I don't think there's a cap. I, I think it's going to be just based on uh, demand and importance of the market. We're at 21 now, which is a lot. Um, it's hard to put these Grand Prix on, so it's one thing to say we want 25. It's another thing to go figure out where to go get the other yeah. four. Um, so I think we're there, thereabouts, as far as the right amount of Grand Prix. But I think you got to take it kind of one Grand Prix at a time. Yeah. What's your view on the engine configurations? We're seeing V6 twin turbos coming in next year. Do you want to stick with the V8? What's, what's I'd view? like to see you stick with the V8s. I think... Um, the racing's awesome. Uh, change usually costs a lot of money. Uh, with costing a lot of money, that then creates a bigger gap in racing, which is what you see in Formula One now. I think the people on the grandstand want to see great drivers, loud, fast race cars, and leading-edge technology, which these cars have. But uh, I, I don't think changing engine formulas is going to increase the show. I think it will increase the expense. Um, and I think we need to focus on, on the current product that we have. You also mentioned Stoffel Vandal's Bathurst ambitions in that lunch. Is that serious? Is he- yeah, he was serious, but he can't miss Japan. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, we'll be going to talk with Adam DeBore. I was lucky enough to catch him on a weekend that Jazz didn't have a great time. It wasn't a dreadful weekend, but it was a weekend that I'm sure that uh, they're looking forward to getting closer to the front end because Adam DeBore and Chaz Mossut are very competitive animals and they love to win. So after the break, we'll be back with Adam DeBore. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as best supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Back from Inside Supercars, we're lucky enough today to be joined by Adam DeVore, who is the engineer and has been with Chaz Mostert through a number of teams and a number of uh, different brands even, um, and uh, still with him, enjoying the time. Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been good working with Chaz and... Uh, you know, to see him uh, change and evolve over the last few years, and uh, he's uh, he's done you know great things, and uh, I think we've got plenty of good results to come. Absolutely, now, and you've seen, of course, the restoration of his form, his body um, from that big crash um, after the win in uh, 14. Uh, to then uh, have that, and he's, he's done a tremendous job in, in rebuilding himself. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, his dedication, his uh, he's fitter, he's more focused. You know, he's racing a lot more, which is always good, and and uh, he's just you know he loves it, and he's determined to uh, to succeed. He's stronger both physically and mentally, isn't he? Yeah, for sure, definitely. He's uh, he's a, uh, a stubborn, tough character. Yeah. So uh, you know, nothing's going to uh, keep him down. He's going to keep keep growing and keep being stronger and, and every time we do a race we learn, we experience something and uh, he doesn't forget it. Okay, let's start with where you started. Yeah. Now, you're not Australian born? Yes, I am Australian born. You're Australian born, right? Yep. Yeah, but I, uh, I you know, grew up through through karting and, and wanted to do karting um, when I was younger and uh, loved motorsport but really didn't know where to, where to take it and uh, Ended up uh, hopping on a plane and uh, and going overseas to explore that that avenue a little bit more and uh, and started work with um, a McLaren GT team uh, called GTC back in the day and uh, just you know evolved from there to doing you know some internship with them doing engineering and with their partnership and their their um, their background they uh, they they guided me through to. To basically, you know, data engineer, you know, junior race engineer to, to race engineer. Right. And uh, tell me, um, what did you go overseas with? Just love and passion, or you had degrees or something? No, just love and passion. You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, I you know, knew I wanted to be involved in motorsport, but I didn't know what level, having never done any track racing in Australia yeah I didn't know if I wanted to be behind the desk or if I wanted to be at the uh, at the precipice on the yeah at the front line at the track and the first race I ever did was at uh, at Silverstone and uh, the British GT race of the McLaren um and uh, we popped it on pole and I thought how cool is this and, and then with the handicap you know we went back to eighth and, and won it on the last corner on the last lap who was and, the driver? Uh, Tim Sugden uh, yeah. drove for us back then 
and uh, after that result, it, I was hooked. That was it. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. That was my yeah. Okay. And uh, and I've, I've never done anything else. Okay. So from there, from McLarens and sports cars, where did you go to next? Uh, so I was with them for three years, three seasons, and then that whole program, as GT Racing does, cycled cycled down. Um, so I then joined uh, Peugeot in the BTCC. Yep. And um, after after finishing up with with, with Peugeot, came on board with um, Porsche Motorsport. Right. Okay. And Porsche, of course, would have taken you in a lot more places uh, than possibly the uh, British Touring Car Championship would have. Yeah, yeah. No, Porsche was Porsche was a fantastic time. Yeah, we did uh, Daytona, American Le Mans series, uh, Asia Carrera Cup, FIA GT, uh, European Le Mans series, Le Mans. It was it was a very Some full of the program. You had in that time. Uh, Manuel Collard, I worked with quite closely. Tim Sugden again, I was with for many years. Uh, Mike Rockefeller, Mark Lieb, um, Stefan Ortelli, you know, all, all the big names in, in, in GT racing at the time, and, yeah. and uh, it's great. Okay. So where and when did you get back to Australia? Uh, so we won the, won the, the FIA GT Championship in 2005, and we also won the Asian Carrera Cup Championship with a young kid called Johnny Cocker as well that year, and after that I felt... GT racing wasn't really the challenge that I needed anymore. So uh, my wife, or well, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, we decided to uh, to make a move to Australia and 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 have a go at, at doing you know the supercar scene. You know, bearing in mind in 2005 we were uh, we were doing you know 18 to 20 long haul events a year. So it was a lot of travel, you know, through America, through Europe, through Asia, and um, you know, we just wanted to, uh, you know, do something a little bit closer to home that wasn't so uh, so strenuous. Now, am I right? You were with Paul Morris. Yep. Was that where you first started in Supercars? No, no, I started originally with um, with Gary Rogers and Lee Holdsworth. And, um, and then through the Porsche connection, got to know the Murphys quite well, um, just at galas and stuff overseas. And then we uh, got talking to them, and uh, and then you know ended up going there to work with Jason Richards. Yep. So yeah. so I was with with JR for 07, 08, and um, when Tasman, and then with Murph in 09, and then when Tasman uh, finally. End up closing down. We ended up uh, ended up going with Murph to Morris. Right. Okay. And you were there for about three years. No, I was only with Mor- at Morris for sort of twelve months twelve while months. Murph was okay. there. Right. And then once uh, once Greg moved on, I decided to move on as well. Okay. <coughs> and you came to um, I think it would have been uh, FPR at first. What was all? Uh, it was uh, it was with Tony D initially. Yep. And that's what introduced, made the relationship with, started the relationship with FBR because we were customers with them back then. And um, after after two years, when the TDR thing was all starting to peter down, they, um, they took me on board at FBR in 2013. Okay. What What's your the great thing about this category for you, having experienced other ones overseas? <laughs> it's bloody hard. It's yeah. uh, you know no point. 
are you ever sat there feeling comfortable? That it's, you're on top of it. Yeah, it's, it, you're always questioning yourself and you're always challenging yourself to um, to make sure that you know you're better than the next guy. Yeah. Everyone in the category is top notch, from engineers, mechanics, drivers. It's it's just hard. It's a hard series. You've seen the transition from uh, Project Blueprint to uh, Car of the Future to Next Generation. Uh, do you think the transitions have been pretty smooth throughout those? Um, yeah, again, lots of smart people are involved, so the reliability of the package and understanding the package you know, is, is one thing, but it's not been a... Um, Everyone's been going through it at the same time, so it's yeah. not like you know, one team has a clear edge. It's, it's always seemed pretty seamless to me, somebody outside. Um, but you know, when you're having to design those bits, it's a different sort of scenario. Yeah, there's a lot of man hours, but that people don't see. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're still designing bits today. You know, but you know, it's been quite a few years on. So yeah. Um, so uh, you've got. Uh, uh, chairs on board who's reinvigorated and rebuilt and all those sort of things. The cars are obviously very quick. You're just just a shade behind the, the DJ Penske and the Triple uh, Eight cars. That's an achievable thing to get back up there in that sort of very top group. Yeah, like the, the, the bar keeps being lifted. You know, the, the, the Holdens have got a, a fantastic product at the moment and you know we've got a lift to beat them which is what we're, we're doing you know where we were a little we had errors at Adelaide so that didn't show our true true form um, this weekend we've tried to try to try and fix some balance issues that we had at Adelaide um, slowly getting on top of it now I think you know the I think today hopefully we can learn a little bit more yeah and um, yeah try to close that gap so that we're closer at Tassie now you know since Adelaide of course the the Fords and the Nissans have both had some new homologated panels they're not across all of your full cars but there are a good number of them that have them that's going to make a percentage difference minor percentage difference not large are there many other things that you've got in the design package sort of thing coming? Oh, we're always we're always striving to to better our product, and uh, yeah, we've you know we've we've got parts in the pipeline. It's just you know getting uh, you know the racing season at the moment so busy. It's it's getting time to get them them implemented. I think our base platform is pretty solid. Um, so yeah we'll get these upgrades happening and hopefully we can start seeing a bit of a bit of a performance you know last year we closed the gap dramatically towards the end, towards yeah. end of the year and 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 this year we're similar position to where we were at the end of last year i feel that we're definitely closer than we than we were at the beginning of last year yep um we just got to keep pressing on Okay, all right. Now, Adam, you keep yourself busy because that's not enough. You've got to have something else. And you're involved in heavily in the Audi program in Australia? I, I help the Audi boys out, okay. you know, at time. You know, the, the, I do the 12 hour with them I've done for the last couple of years. And, and, and doing that, it's just, it's a, it's a hard event 
managing three drivers, managing 12 hours of racing, the safety cars, the rules that they implement for that event, it's it's the perfect preparation for a supercar season. So, you know... It tunes you up. It tunes me up. It keeps me fresh. And it... Any time, you know, I'm big. I'll never stop Chaz from racing a go kart, from a, you know, GT car to a Focus, because yeah. you always learn something. And exactly the same on the engineering front. You know, I was working with the, the factory German engineers from from Audi over the weekend at, at Bathurst, and their approach and their tools that they have. You know, I've learned from. Yeah. So you know, and you apply it to, to how we run a supercar. Yeah. So. You know, anytime you can work in racing is better than sitting at home, you know, on the couch. Yeah. So, and that's what I try to do. And you've also got a customer program you do for shock absorbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do do some bits and pieces like that, right, okay. and uh, yeah, we're just trying to trying to build that up. Right. Okay. Is that under a brand or just Adam Demore? Just just me at the moment. So right. it's only something that's starting out of the um, its infancy. So we just uh, just look after the guy, the Audi boys, and some GT cars, and uh, hopefully help them go a little bit quicker. Okay. So here we are, Sunday morning, and. At uh, Albert Park, we've had three races. You're in the top five in the points for the weekend, I think. I don't look at the points until Sunday night. Okay, all right, so, uh, all right. But a... you had a reasonable, not a great weekend, but a reasonably good weekend. Yeah. Um, you you threw a dice yesterday and, and put a gamble on wets working, and unfortunately the track dried more and didn't get the uh, time gain that you'd hoped. Um, and I think there were ten cars that didn't come in. Yep. For Wets, that uh, they were the top ten cars. You were the tenth car, in fact. So, yep. so um, I think you got uh, Tim Blanchard late in the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. last lap. Yeah, right, very so. late. Um, what more from today? It looks like it's going to be a dry race, but we're not certain of that yet. Um, yeah, our dry speed yesterday was impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our speed in the wet, to be honest, was impressive as well. But you know, we had we had good good pace, good response, reasonably good tyre life. We were fairly confident stopping when we did that we would be able to you know not maintain third I think I think Nick would have got us but uh, definitely definitely stay in the top top four so um, I think you know that's you know it's a dry race it's a short race tie dig comes into it so um, you know I think we can post hopefully Hopefully, go one better. Go and get right. that top three. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And of course, from here you uh, head off to uh, Simmons Plains and one of the unique tracks of our uh, circuit because there's nothing else like it. Six corners, the fastest and the slowest. Mm. Uh, quite a contrast with Albert Park. It doesn't flow that well. No, it's a different. It's a unique event. It's a good event. I love uh, Simmons and Barbagello. These really, really short tracks because you're looking for thousands of seconds. It's, yes. And um, it, it, it's a challenge. You know, you and. So, so, so fewer corners means that you get so in depth in the data of every corner. So, um, from an engineering perspective, it's a it's a fantastic challenge. And you know, we've had reasonably good cars there. We were pretty quick last year in the wet and the dry. So, you know, hopefully we're uh, we're close. I, I haven't actually checked to see what the format is for there. Um, you know, obviously we're having pit stops. Uh, pit stops on Sunday, but the qualifying is probably the most exciting change this year, where we've got the knockout qualifying sessions. Oh, okay. Right. So um, that's going to be uh, 
a unique unique thing that we have to plan around and right. how we uh, how we manage those uh, those sessions. So, because yeah, as anything, you know, new tires make cars go faster. Yep. We don't have that many new tyres, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be a, um, an interesting weekend. And of course, with the 51 second lap not going down when you pit stop is very important. To, yeah, to yeah. Putting extra practice in the next couple of weeks. Oh, we're always practicing. So, right. okay. All right. Well, thank you very much to Adam Devore. We look forward and watch Car Five through the rest of Car Five. Fifty-five. Fifty-five. I'm sorry. Okay. Through the rest of this season, and we'll catch up with Adam later in the year. Thank you, Adam, on Inside Supercars. No worries. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And you know, every every year I see Jackie's crew at the Grand Prix, and I just remind myself. Of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back, Craig. It was a uh, very busy weekend at the Grand Prix, as you know, Australian Grand Prix have something unique in the world of Formula One racing in that they have lots of support categories, not just one or two, but four or five of them. And they're all busy categories with lots of cars running, GTs, Carrera Cup, Ferraris. Uh, it was fantastic to see. It would be great if we saw some more open wheelers uh, racing in the Grand Prix because obviously that's something that uh, is an important part of driver development is drivers getting a chance to show their wares in front of Formula One team owners. Great news uh, just came through today that the TRS series, which Australia has not been involved in and should be other than Bruin Beasley and before him Trevor Schumach, in running two or three cars in the Toyota series. And the great news is that uh, that series now has got uh, serious cred in the world because and has had for some years. The three drivers, Brendan Hartley, Lance Stroll and Daniel Kvyat, all Formula One drivers, who have all raced in the series and gone on to Formula One. And there's a bunch of other drivers, of course, who are in supercars, like Van Gisbergen, Slade, Scotty Pye, Richie Stanaway. They all competed there as well, and they're all in supercars. So it's an important series, and they now you can get super license, F1 super license points running in the Toyota series. That's a really important selling point and something that we don't have in this country. As you, I'm sure you'd agree, it's an important thing in the development of young drivers. It is indeed, and it just gives it another um, another reason for young drivers to give it a try. And, of course, being in the off-season and being New Zealand dollars, it is a lot more affordable than perhaps making your first jump to Europe. Tony, you, you, you think your sport's big until you find out what a big sport can have a media frenzy about. And, of course, I talk of Indeed. the actions of the Australian cricket team or the leadership group and uh, Bancroft yeah. of the Australian cricket team. It's funny from my perspective, Tony, because whilst I think it is the most apparent thing that's happened in Australian sport in my lifetime, for me, cheating in motorsport is uh, it's water off a duck's back. It, it, what, you're not cheating is sort of my response. Um I why I don't understand why am I absolutely outraged that you know the Australian cricket team would cheat, whereas I am so blasé about cheating in motorsport. I, I can't answer that. Maybe some of our listeners can, 
But well, um, what was your take? What was the, your one take? Of things, one of the thing, things, of course, is, Craig, that um, John Howard himself said that uh, uh, if his job was when he was prime minister was not the most important job, it was being in charge of the Australian cricket team. Now, John Howard was and is still a cricket tragic, and I'm sure he is ripped up to, to hell about what's happened. I, I, uh, I have some theories about why it happened. They're not uh, excuses, but possible explanation as to how uh, David Warner and Steve Smith and uh, maybe Cameron Bancroft, um, they were all felt um, they were under siege in South Africa. The, the biggest thing that happened during this series was the uh, shoulder, char uh, shoulder charge by Rabada, or whether he brushed him or charged him, but the ICC, I feel, uh, definitely let Steve Smith down. And, and I'm not saying for one second that it allowed him to go and do something, by no means, but they just might have had the mentality that, you know, we can't win against these blokes, we might as well cheat. Look, you know, ball tampering's been going on for a long time in cricket. You know, they've been, uh, both the South African captain has been charged twice and found guilty. English captains have been found guilty. They've been English bowlers. Now they're suggesting that the uh, Ashes series uh, has a question mark on it. Well, you know, if they can start drawing out question marks, there have been enough things over the years. But I, I, look, the whole cheating in motorsport thing, there's been a mentality uh, for some years, of course. Uh, I think that you were fortunate enough to, uh, in to interview Smokey uh, Eunuch um, some years ago and who said was known to have said something like, if it's not in the rule book, it's not illegal. Um, things in, in NASCAR and control categories such as NASCAR and supercars do go on. You and I both know they go on. And uh, every so often something happens that, you know, someone's caught and an a, a, a example is made, but uh, never horrendously, never sort of sent home for the, for the rest of their life sort of thing. It's mm. always been a, you know, there's, there's wonderful apocryphal stories like, you know, fuel bladders carrying a, a football bladder inside the fuel tank and, you know, blowing it up to uh, decrease the size of the tank uh, when scrutineering is happening and then letting the air out of it so that you've got extra fuel capacity. Um, very famously, cars having their uh, uh, foam-filled uh, air cleaners full of nitrous before qualifying and obviously getting a horsepower advantage from that. All sorts of things like that have gone on and will go on for the rest of life, you know. I mean, mm. I don't think it, it's intrinsic in it because in motorsport, what you're wanting to do constantly is find the rule that says, wow, we could do this. Mm. And of course, uh, when you think about, all right, we're going to almost certainly when we're recording this, I haven't heard any news, but almost certainly uh, Shane Smith, uh, Warner, uh, looks like Lehman has stepped down already and um, Bancroft. Well, I can't see how their position's tenable. And if you think about Trevor Chappell, Trevor Chappell bowled an underarm ball, which by the rules was a legal delivery, but by the you know, the standards of uh, everyone involved in cricket. The moral, was, yeah. yeah. by the moral standard or the yes. ethics of cricket, it was seen to be wrong. However, it was a legal bowl. And in actual fact, overarm bowling was in only ever done by women. Underarm bowling was the uh, convention for men up until, I think, about the uh, 1900s. So, you know, here he is. He's done something that's legal, seen to be wrong, and never played cricket for Australia again. Now we're faced with a situation where there was a systematic attempt to cheat, 
I think the same, uh, the same rules should apply. Never play for Australia again. But that said, we do, ha- we do have some supercar on the record uh, cheating, and you can decide for yourself whether it's cheating or not. But, of course, you had that incident uh, uh, years ago with um, uh, Winton and the concerns over the front nose piece of the triple eight cars where they were rubber mounted and of course that got Campbell Little into a lot of strife because he was part of the engineering group that did that and then at that time when it was revealed he was of course the um, technical technical director or technical manager I can't remember the exact title so um, he was in a very difficult position there because of course he knew that was going on and uh, you know he had to then I, and I think his problem in that position was he didn't step aside quickly enough on the adjudication of it. But you, you'll have your opinion of that. Obviously, the team dynamic, testing at the airfield, that was the biggest one, but, and that's probably the biggest penalty I can think of that's ever laid out uh, on a team. Yes, and unfortunately, it was a very, very ill-thought-out uh, piece of testing because one of the strangest things was I happened to have been over at Malala for a uh, development series round when the uh, team dynamic truck was heading north to go to Woomera to the test and uh, the truck driver walks in with tape over the shit and tape on his boots covering up the team dynamic name, tape on the side of the truck. If ever there was things calling attention to it, there was... And of course, uh, Peter Brock got his ninth win from, whilst it's not supercars, it was uh, some ill-fated guards on the uh, Sierras? Yeah, it was the Sierras. Uh, Texaco Sierras, Sierras. remember? Yeah, Eggenberger Sierras. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rudy Eggenberger came out with some cars. Uh, I rather like uh, Dino Johnson, uh, Dave uh, Dino Johnson is Dick Johnson's brother, who uh, told me about how he'd actually picked up one of the uh, the Eggenberger wheels and tried to fit it with the tyre inside the uh, the shell uh, Sierra it wouldn't fit because they were running bigger, larger wheels and tyres uh, and had, you know, extra large wheel uh, flares to uh, fit them in. But So that was a very blatant piece of cheating. Um, and there have been all sorts of evidence over the years of cheating going on, but uh, it's certainly something that uh, most of the time isn't drawn a lot of attention to in, in Australia. I don't think it's something that's endemic to it. it there's certain instances of it. But uh, I don't think it's something that people have to worry about intrinsically from weekend to weekend. No, indeed. And, uh, well, uh, like I said, are you as outraged as I am about the cricket? No, I'm not. Um, and I was interested. I was watching, actually, a football show with Alistair Clarkson saying, everybody take a breath. I mean, this is not the first time. I mean, premeditated, yes. I, I happen to think about the siege mentality that Steve Smith was under. I think that... Uh, Yes, uh, there have been bullies at times, Dave Warner and things like that, but some of the atrocious things that have gone on in the last six months with the Barmy Army, songs about both Dave Warner's wife and Nathan Lyon's girlfriend, uh, just atrocious sort of things. You know, the way in which South African cricket masks on. Why? Because Sonny Bill Williams some eight or so years ago, had a relationship with what is now David Warner's wife. That's got nothing to do with David Warner. They were singing songs about it. Now, I, you know, it's all part of an endemic problem to try and unsettle them. And unfortunately, Dave is a hothead, and uh, he uh, more than likely 
uh, overreacted, uh, or he did overreact, and he was given penalties. But I think that this is part of this whole siege mentality that was going on within the team. Darren Lehman, I don't think, has done a very good job. He's known as one of the protagonists in the same way. They've got likely a new coach coming into the team in in Justin Langer, who was a, uh, a West Australian, very successful coach in Western Australia, and a great Australian opening batsman. And I'm sure that he'll provide the foundations of what will be a team that will get Australia back into playing cricket in the correct manner. Mm, yes, indeed. Well, motor racing is still a very interesting in Australia, and uh, I think uh, if we get a few more good cheating scores, I'd be happy because, gee, it doesn't make it uh, more interesting to report. <laughs> indeed, it does. But, you know, that's... Uh, Another Grand Prix over, that's 24 of them in Melbourne. Um, and, of course, since 1985, the Australian Grand Prix has been for Formula One points. And it's certainly a wonderful kick-off of the year with uh, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton showing that those two brands uh, are up there. The uh, Red Bull team, just not quite there. But uh, I'm sure that, like most uh, people in motorsport, they'll will watch closely through the year and see... How that fight develops, more than likely, Mercedes and uh, Ferrari will be the two chief protagonists, and we can only hope that uh, Ricardo and uh, Verstappen will get closer. But that's it for another week of Inside Supercars. We hope you uh, will join us again next week as we look forward to Simmons Plains coming up. So thank you again, and good night from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.